You're listening to the voice of the future, fighting for America every day. This is the conservative crusader. And here's your host, GOP Josh. Hello and welcome to the conservative crusader. My name is GOP Josh. Thank you for tuning in here on the red future radio network. Glad to be with you all today. Broadcasting live and on the podcast, gopjosh.com to find that, redfutureradio.com as well. So yesterday in the state of Nevada, in South Carolina, and Maine, and North Dakota, there were primary elections in which some incumbents were unseated. Actually, one incumbent was unseated, that incumbent being Representative Tom Rice, who voted to impeach President Trump, a Republican from South Carolina, will be taking the Madison Cawthorn route out of Congress, losing the primary to a fellow Republican. And that Republican is, um, what's his name? It was Russell Fry. So he fried that rice, my guys. He fried that rice. When it comes to that election there, we're going to give him some applause for getting that rhino out of Congress. Unfortunately, Nancy Mace did not receive the same treatment. She did not vote to impeach President Trump, but she was crucial to President Trump. She does not support his agenda. She's pro-drug. She's quite the rhino. She did not receive the same fate that Tom Rice did her colleague. And if you have opinions on these races or anything else, you can call into our broadcast and leave a voicemail. The number is 57-GOP-JOSH-7. That is 574-675-6747. 57-GOP-JOSH-7, 574-675-6747. Dial that on your phone. If you don't want to use your phone number... You can go to anchor.fm slash the conservative crusader slash message or gopjosh.com slash show and send in a voicemail that way. But that number I gave you, 574-675-6747. You can call or t- or text and leave your message to the program. One race I'm very disappointed about in South Carolina was actually a state legislature race. You know, I usually don't pay attention to state legislature races. There are, there are too many of them to follow. But there was one I was paying a lot of attention to. And that one was South Carolina's 121st, which is where Tim Swain, who originally decided to primary Tim Scott, but didn't have the funding, didn't have the the polling to to seriously compete, he decided to run for state legislature in an empty seat. Well, it was a Democrat seat, but there was not a Republican incumbent, and he lost to the guy who ran last time and lost to the Democrat last time, which is severely unfortunate. So if Tim Swain is listening to this, Mr. Swain, keep up the fight, keep up the battle. You may not win every battle, but we will win the war. We are on the right side of history, and I'm very excited to say that. Speaking of the right side of history and speaking of the fight and keeping the fight up and, and we will win eventually in a Biden district in which a Democrat resigned from in Texas, Myra Flores, a Republican, took the district and will be the next congresswoman in that district picking up a Republican gain in a seat seemingly impossible for Republicans to win, the only time a Republican has represented this seat in over 100 years. We are applauding her here at the Conservative Crusader for picking up that seat, 
picking up just one more Republican win because every seat counts, every vote counts. And Mayor of Flores, if that's how you pronounce that name, congratulations for that race. I'm not too sure exactly about the makeup of it now. I think it's a D13 district, so the chance of her winning in 2022 is rare. She'll probably only hold that seat for a couple of months. But just having a Republican represent that team and represent that district for the first time in in modern history, that's just astounding. And she even received the vote of Elon Musk. His first... Republican vote was Myra Flores in Texas. So I'm glad that she won. It's one more Republican vote that we need. We need every vote count, so I applaud her for that. But we are going to move on because we have a lot to get to today, especially with Rudy Giuliani. So we talked yesterday about how he was reportedly inebriated when it was election night last night or election night last election. Rudy Giuliani is disputing that claim. Rudy Giuliani denied Tuesday yesterday that he was drunk when he urged former President Donald Trump to declare victory on election night. His votes were still being counted and said he was disgusted by a Trump aide who testified otherwise before the January 6th committee. He said he refused all alcohol that evening. In a videotaped testimony played at the January 6th committee hearing Monday, Jason Miller and Bill Stiefen said the former New York City mayor demanded to speak to the then president as the returns were coming in on election night and told Trump to declare victory. I think the mayor was definitely intoxicated, Miller said. In his tweets, Giuliani said he was disgusted and outraged at the outright lie by Miller and Stiefen, whose last name he misspelled in the tweet. While Stiefen was critical of Giuliani's stolen election claims in his testimony, he did not reference his sobriety in any of the clips aired during the hearing. Giuliani suggested the pair were trying to get back at him for berating them about their lack of uh, preparedness to combat his numerous baseless and debunked allegations, yada, yada, yada. This is NBC. We know the election was stolen, and I believe Rudy Giuliani in this case. I don't believe that he was drinking. I don't believe he was this and that. I, I don't think that makes any sense. And if he didn't, and these people lied under oath of Congress, that sounds like a, a violation of the law. That sounds like the violation of the law. I don't know. I don't know, folks, but we will move on. Just wanted to bring that update to that story to you as well. And one more story about 2024. Tom Cotton is planning to run in 2024. Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton huddled with two dozen of his top donors on Tuesday morning to describe him planning a potential 2024 White House campaign telling them a comeback bid by former President Donald Trump wouldn't deter him from running. During the meeting at the Hay Adams Hotel in Washington, which was described by two attendees, Cotton said he was prepared to run and he detailed detailed the work he's done to develop an infrastructure for a national campaign. He emphasized that he wouldn't defer to any other would-be candidates, including President Trump, and said he planned to make a final decision on whether to run after this year's midterm elections. Um, Let's see here. Uh, I want to see when he's up for re-election to the Senate. Because I don't see him winning this election. If anyone besides Trump wins, it will not be Tom Cotton. It will be uh, Ron DeSantis. He's up until he's not up until 2026, so he'll protect his seat. I don't know if he'll win after that, but he, he will protect his seat in case he loses. Uh, while the senator lacks the national 
profile of some other would-be candidates such as Trump and Ron DeSantis. His team made a case for either Arkansas Republicans should be considered a serious contender. A 15-slide PowerPoint presentation mentioned that the senator and his advisors have studied the past Republican presidential campaigns. They concluded that early recognition and attention had little bearing on the eventual success of candidates. Well, that was determinative. Uh, Colas argued the performance in Iowa and New Hampshire, which hosted its first two nominating contest uh, contest. Colas said because Cotton ran unopposed for election in 2020, he was able to get a head start on developing a donor base and making outreach to activists in both states. He noted that Cotton had already made repeated trips to Iowa and New Hampshire since 2020. He has gone to Iowa six times and New Hampshire four times. So Ron DeSantis, or not Ron DeSantis, uh, Cotton, I don't know a lot about him. I don't know a lot about his policy, what he believes in, what side he's on. I think he's pretty conservative from what I know. He's he's digging himself a hole. He's a young guy. I'm not sure exactly how old he is. Um, Tom Cotton age. Let's see here. He's 45 years old. So he'll be 46, maybe 47 at the time of the election. He's a young guy. He's got plenty of time to finish up some time in the Senate. Let Donald Trump finish his rightfully earned second term, what should be his third term based on um, following, but, you know, legally it's a second term, even though he won the, the second, the last election. Let him finish up his term. If Ron DeSantis runs in 2024 instead, he's going to win. Tom Cotton is hurting his career by doing this. Anyone who runs up against President Trump in 2024, anyone that runs against Ron DeSantis possibly in 2024 will be seen as a rhino, will be seen as a traitor to the president, traitor to the former president, running against him, just like uh, Joe Walsh, right? That, that was the guy's name, right? The radio host that decided to run against President Trump. He's a rhino too for running against President Trump. And that it'll be the same way for these senators who decide to run against the president. But we will see. One more story out of Congress, which is Democrats who opposed protecting our Supreme Court justices, folks. They opposed the protection of our nine justices on the Supreme Court. I want to remind you there's a wall, a fence outside of the nation's capital, a big, beautiful fence because of some protesters who got a little unruly, a major fence, a huge fence. There's a major fence outside of the White House protecting just one man. And 23, 27, I'm sorry, Democrats, voted against the passage of a bill giving not even the same level of security, but giving a reasonable level of security to the Supreme Court justices after an assassination attempt of Kavanaugh. After an assassination attempt of Justice Brett Kavanaugh. So I will give you the name of the 27 Democrats. Joyce Beatty of Ohio. Joyce Beatty is one of the biggest disgraces to the state of Ohio. She represents the Columbus area. So obviously she's not a conservative woman. She's a Democrat. She's quite the rhino. She, or not rhino, but she, she's quite the, the terrible representative. The dino, really. Because she doesn't represent even most Democrats, really. She represents her own value and her lobbyist values and her anti-police values. And she doesn't have a lot of values. I mean, she doesn't have much much of anything to run on. She's not a good candidate. She's not a good representative. And I wish she'd lose. 
but it's pretty much impossible. So Joyce Beatty, uh, Jamal Bowen of New York, Corey Bush of Missouri, Veronica Escobar of Texas, uh, Adriano Espilat of New York, Chai Garcia of Illinois, Sarvia Garcia of Texas, Josh Gothheimer of New Jersey, Rule uh, Grillovajava of Arizona, Stephen Horsford of Nevada, Pramilia uh, Jayapal of Washington, Brenda Lawrence of Michigan, and Barbara Lee of California, Tom Malowinski of New York, Marie Newman of Illinois, Bill Craskell of New Jersey, Donald Payne of New Jersey, L. Uh, Pearl Muddle of Colorado, Ayanna Presley, uh, Mike Sherrill, Abel, uh, Alblo Cyrus, Rashida Dalib, Norma Torres, Navita Villaquez, Maxine Waters, Bonnie Watson Coleman, and Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, who won't vote for President Biden in 2024, I don't know why I got the accent all of a sudden, voted against the bill to protect Supreme Court justices. Voted against a protection of the Supreme Court justices. The Senate passed the legislation unanimously in May. That was last month. And Nancy Pelosi wouldn't bring it to a vote until just now. Until last night. After an assassination attempt of Justice, of justice um, Kavanaugh. They are okay with what goes on in this situation. They are okay if, if something happens to Gorsuch, Kavanaugh. Barrett. They're okay with that. Because it doesn't affect them at all. They are fine if, if their lives are taken away. They are fine if their families threatened. Because they, they have security. They were probably fine when Steve Scalise got shot. Five years ago to the day. Yesterday. When he was shot outside of practicing for the congressional baseball game. This is the side we're up against. And they're taking away fundamental rights. I want to tell you, Gorsuch. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh. You have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. So he actually voted for the bill as far as I'm aware. It passed unanimously. But his little minion, Nancy Pelosi, stood up for him and didn't bring it to a vote until it was pretty much forced upon her in the House of Representatives. Shame on you, Nancy Pelosi. Shame on you, 27 Democrats who don't want to stand up for our rule of law, stand up for our Supreme Court justices. You are a disgrace. My name is Joe Josh. This is the Conservative Crusader Radio Show here on the Red Future Radio Network. Be right back after this, here on the Conservative Crusader after this break. My name is Joe Josh. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Conservative Crusader. This is the Conservative Crusader. All right. This is the most based candidate for Congress in the 2022 election cycle and possibly the most based future congressman that this country has ever seen. And I'm leaving this for GOP Josh, one of the most based young Republicans that I've ever met. Have a good day, dude. Kick on that podcast. That is J.R. Majewski, the candidate against Marcy Kapoor in Ohio's 9th Congressional District. I'm going to play that probably throughout the rest of this week because that is just such a meaningful video. It means so much. 
out of nowhere. He just sent that to me. I really appreciate it as well. And he was at January 6th. That's what his opponents are using against him. And we have a story about January 6th here where the Capitol Police says there is no evidence of a Representative Barry Loudermouth renaissance tour with Trump supporters trying to learn more about the Capitol complex the day before the January the January 6th insurrection. This is from CNN. Their words, not mine. The House Select Committee investigating January 6th, 2021 raised the issue of issue publicly in a letter last month attacking Loudermouth to explain the purpose of his January 5th meeting with a group of constituents. Days after the attack, some Democrats began accusing Republicans of providing tours to individuals who later went on to storm the Capitol. There is no evidence that Representative Loudermilk entered the U.S. Capitol with this group on January 5th, 2021. Capitol Police Chief Tom Manger wrote in a letter on Monday to Representative Rodney Davis, the top Republican on the House Administration Committee. We train our officers on being alert to people conducting surveillance or renaissance, and we do not consider any of the activities we observed as suspicious. The left tries everything they can to try to say this was a planned insurrection. This was established by the Republican Party. This is done. This is everything they could do to try to get President Trump to win. And it was House Republican leaders that that led the cause. It is elected officials that led the cause. It is an actual insurrection that happened. No. What happened at the Capitol? I wasn't there, but from what I saw, from what I've heard from firsthand accounts from people who were there is that there were people who were upset at the stolen election. There was a little bit, they went a little too far, a little too much happened. And we have the result that we had today. And we have the result that happened on January 6th. So I'm going to play a clip here from the former president, or the, the current president of the United States before he became the president. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. We have the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud initiative in the history of American politics. They openly admit it. They openly admit it. And you can't say that Americans aren't going to go there and say, well, yeah, there was fraud. He admitted it right here. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. So they try to pwn it on Republican lawmakers saying, well, they led the riot, they led the protest, they led the, uh, the information gathering, when it's simply not true. I'm proud that Loudermilk is acquitted of this charge. I applaud that as well. So there's an article, and I want to hop right into this, of a CNN contributor. Someone who's on the payroll at a of an American news source. He writes op-eds for the CNN and the ed- editor or opinion to the editor by Bill Press. His name is Bill Press. The title of this piece. There is no way to fix the Second Amendment. Let's just get rid of it. I'm going to read some of this for you. And I haven't actually read the article. I've read articles about the article, but I haven't read the actual pure article yet. I thought it was behind a paywall. Who says history doesn't repeat itself? It sure does when it comes to the aftermath of mass shootings. After Columbine, Aurora, Sandy Hook, Orlando, Virginia Tech, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, El Paso, Buffalo, Uvalde, and so many others, it's always the same. First shock, then grief, then demand for action. 
Then the phony claim, too bad, but we can't do anything about guns because of the Second Amendment. And then nothing is done to prevent the next attack. This time, could things be different? After the senseless assassination of 19 elementary school students and two teachers in Uvalde, Texas, senators of both parties are actually talking about a compromise on guns, but don't hold your breath. No matter what they come up with, chances are still slim that there will be a 10 Republicans willing to override the filibuster. A total of 60 votes are needed to end a filibuster in the evenly divided U.S. Senate. Anything they lead on will probably just nibble around the edges of the gun control issue. Senator John Cornyn, the lead Republican negotiator, has already vetoed one of the most sensible proposals raising the legal age to buying an assault weapon from 18 to 21. So this was actually an opinion article before the deal was met. This was June 9th when this was written. The deal was obviously met after June 9th. It was met this past Sunday. And I'm going to dispute the fact right now, right here, right now, live on the conservative crusader. We need to be 21 to buy a firearm in in America. Then you should be 21 to serve in the military. You should be 21 to be able to vote. Well, no, no, you can't diminish the youth fighting for their country. You can't diminish the youth voting in their in, in their elections. We want to. They're an adult. We, we should let them vote. Well, we should let them own a firearm. And if you disagree with me on this issue, if you oppose what I have to say, call into the program 574-675-6747-57-GOP-Josh-7. Let me know. Why do you oppose allowing kids, or not even kids, young young adults, 18-year-olds, to own a firearm? Why do you oppose that? Why do you oppose their Second Amendment rights? There is no way, especially in this election year, that Republicans will let anything out of the Senate that would ruffle the feathers of the NRA. We talked about that as well, how they covered their grounds there by not having any senators who are up for re-election in 2022 and actually running for re-election, voting for the bill, or even contributing in the negotiations. And let's face it, the way that many conservatives and judges interpret the Second Amendment is a total corn job, and it is widely misinterpreted today as it is for all intents and purposes, a license to kill as many people as you want with as many guns as you want. That is so outrageously false. Anyone who has read the Constitution, read the text of the Second Amendment, knows it's very, very clear. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of the free state. The right of the people... To keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The people. Not the government. Not the militia. The people. There's a reason they use the word people. They didn't just throw around words like they had no meaning. They knew this government, this document would stand the test of time as it has. And thinking we need to get rid of the second and then take it off, off is despicable and anti-American. The only effective way to deal with the Second Amendment is to repeal it and then replace it with something that makes sense in a civilized society. Are you insane? Are you insane? What's even more insane is that Mitch McConnell is voting for the legislation that we talked about on Monday. On the Senate gun control agreement. On May on May 26th, Breitbart News reported that McConnell tapped Senator John Cornyn to work with Democrats to achieve bipartisan gun control. On June 12th, a bipartisan Senate gun control agreement was announced. Breitbart News reported that the agreement includes a requirement for an investigative period uh, during background checks for gun purchases for persons under the age of 21. The agreement does not indicate any stipulations for how long this investigative period may last or how long it could stretch this time it takes to complete a background check. On June 14th, 
McFarland tweeted, Senator Mitch McConnell announces he will support bipartisan framework on new gun control and school safety legislation. The bipartisan group has done the best they can to reach a gun control agreement. If you are a Republican leader, if you are a serious contender for a Republican leader in 2023, when we take back the House or the, and the Senate, if you're a serious Republican leader, if you're a serious Republican politician, if you have an R next to your name and you're voting for this bill, you are a rhino. If you are a Republican working on this bill, you are a rhino. And if you think, if you truly think that this bill will stop any sort of mass shooting, any sort of casualty, you're not only a rhino, but you're stupid. Criminals don't follow gun laws and making it harder for legal Americans to purchase firearms will not stop the people who buy firearms illegally from purchasing them. This legislation is a sham. This is a sham by the Republican Party. And the fact that the, 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 the right is so fractionized, so hard to keep together, when the left can, can unify on pe- practically any issue without losing a single vote outside of Joe Manchin in the Senate. They are so unified, so, so together. How can we take that framework as Republicans, as conservatives, as people who value America and work and make our party the same? How can we work and make sure that the right wing come 2023 when our new senators, our new congresspeople are elected? How can we reasonably make sure that they will stand up for our rights? And more and more than just that, how can we make sure they are united together and they vote together like they are a party, like they are a caucus, like they are working together? Do I say that we can't have a single stray vote ever? No. But on important legislation like the Second, Amend- the Second Amendment, we should not be able to just throw out our party. Just throw the entire caucus away. Throw away our mor- morals away. We shouldn't be able to do that. And that's what's happening. The Republican Party needs change from top to bottom, left to right. Wipe them all out. Get rid of all of them. And start from the beginning. Because we need to restart. Our party is in shambles. Our country is in shambles. The right wing is in shambles and the conservative movement is in shambles. Thanks to people like Mitch McConnell. Thanks to people like Rob Portman. And thanks to people like Susan Collins. And thanks to people especially like Bill Press who wants to get rid of the Second Amendment. When we return, we talk about the return of Hunter Biden in the news. Some more stuff from his laptop has been leaked. And his ex-wife said he has she had no knowledge of her ex-husband's financial dealings. Talk about that here on the Conservative Crusader radio show on the Red Future Radio Network. My name is JP Josh. Be right back after this. Also talking about Ka- uh, Kaisha Lance Bottoms from Atlanta. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Conservative Crusader.
This is the Conservative Crusader. Maybe what a couple months ago, and uh, I've kind of seen you with your program, and I am absolutely impressed. I'm honored to be on your show. You are going to lead this entire industry at some point with true integrity and honesty. What you've been able to accomplish at your age is nothing more than astonishing, but. Josh, it represents the American dream that as you have put forth the work and the dedication and the information that you have consumed is going to make you one of the top leaders in the nation and uh, with with politics and just your personality. So it's a great, great honor to be here with you, Josh. That is Neil Peterson, candidate for governor of Ohio, who joined me on the conservative chat the Saturday edition of the Conservative Crusader with an hour-long interview, an over-an-hour-long interview, available at gopjosh.com slash interviews or on this very same RSS feed. Scroll back like three episodes, and you'll be able to check that out as well and listen to that, the whole thing. He inspires me. He's a great candidate, and I hope that we can have him on again to talk about some things that I missed. We went over time so much, I didn't get the chance to ask all my questions. It's truly disappointing, but we will... We will move on. President Biden has tapped former Atlanta mayor Keisha uh, Lance Bottoms to replace Cedric Richmond as one of the, his most senior aides, bringing a Democratic rising star and former VP contender into the White House at, at a cr- critical juncture. Axios was the first to report. As director of the White House Office of Public Engagement beginning in the coming weeks, Bottoms will immediately have access to some of the most high-level planning and strategy sessions in the West Wing, and to the president himself. The role is integral to developing Biden's policies and then convincing the broader Democratic coalition that the president is charting the right approach. The stakes are high. Bottoms will be responsible for navigating divergent policy goals between progressives and centrists ahead of what is expected to be an ugly midterm cycle for Democrats. Keisha is bright, honorable, and tough and has the integrity required to represent our administration to the American public. Biden said in a statement, Jill and I have known Keisha for a long time and look forward to her working with her more closely. I don't know much about that, but I do, did want to report on that. Anytime there's turnover in the White House, I want to report on that because it's a pretty important story. But I have an even more important story. And an even more surprising story. And this article here doesn't seem to have a clip in it, unfortunately. A video. But... Corinne Jean-Pierre, Corinne Jean-Pierre, was on Don Lemon the other night. Oh, I do have the clip here. Let's play clip. Oh, it's an ad first. Okay, I'll, I'll talk while the ad's running. Uh, she she was asked by Don Lemon a very crucial question about Biden, about the president. Her job is to speak about the president, speak on behalf of the president, both in campaigning and in the White House. That's how every other campaign work. That's how every other press secretary has done their job is they work they work for the president. They they speak on behalf of the president, right? And, and so we're gonna listen to this right here on the Conservative Crusader 
with her laughing off a question by Don Lemon. Does the president have the stamina, physically and mentally, do you think, to continue on even after 2024? Don, you're asking me this question. Oh, my gosh. He's the president of the United States. You know, it, he I can't even keep up with it. We just got back from New Mexico. We just got back um, from California. Uh, that is uh, I, 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 that is not a question that we should be even asking. Just look at the work that he does and look what he's how he's delivering. Uh, for the American public, look that what that 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 article that we're talking about is hearsay. It's salacious. That's not what we care about. We care about how are we going to deliver for the American people. How are we going to make their lives better? That's what the president talks about. That is his focus, uh, and that's where we're going to continue uh, to to focus on. She doesn't want to answer the question whether or not the president is able to to continue on his job because of his stamina. This isn't even a political question. It's mainly just, is the president okay? Is he able to do his job? And she laughs it off like he's joking. That is the press secretary speaking on behalf of the United States of America on American News, Don Lemon, who is not a conservative person. Don Lemon is one of the most liberal in in the liberal media. And if she can't answer that question, it's pretty concerning. It's very concerning for our country, and it's very concerning for President Biden. He has someone like that in the White House. Has someone like that working for him in the most top level of the U.S. government. But I digress, and we are going to move on. I actually kind of strayed away from my—I have set topic lists. So what I do is I I organize every article I want to talk about in the order I want to talk about it here on a document, and I go down the list, and I mark them off when I do it, and I put some notes if I want to have some notes there. But I I strayed completely out of the ballgame today. I didn't even have this article prepared. When it comes to Corinne Jean-Pierre. But you got to do what you got to do. That is live radio. Hunter Biden. We know we talked about this story a lot. And this story might get me deplatformed, you know. But you know, Hunter Biden said his father will do anything he tells him to. I'm not going to play the audio recording because I don't, I haven't been able to screen it for swears or anything like that. He'll talk to anything that I want him to, t- I want him to do. That he believes that he believes in. Biden sent a reference to his father, Joe Biden, in the December 3rd, 2018 recording. If I say it's important to me, then he will work in a way in which to make it a part of his platform. My dad respects me more than he respects anyone in the world, and I know that to be certain, so it's not going to be about whether it affects his politics. All those fears you think I have that people not liking me or that I don't love myself, I don't fear that. You know why I don't fear that? Because the man I admire most in the world, that God to me thinks I'm a God. Hunter Biden added in the 77-minute recording, Um, five months before Joe Biden's campaign. And his brother did too. My brother did too. And the three of us, it was literally, I had the support, you know, I could do anything. I was on a copy of Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop with a password-protected backup of his iPhone XX. Uh, Gus Dilometros, a cyber forensic expert commissioned by the Washington Examiner, located the password during his examination of the hard drive. I haven't listened to the whole audio recording. That's why I'm not going to play it because I don't want to have to press the dump button and and bleep out anything or anything like that. But he said Biden will do anything he tells him to. Biden will do anything that Joe Biden tells him to. You know, the free crack pipes in the safe smoking kits makes a lot of sense right now. (laughs) The, The president sending out free crack pipes for drug addicts to safely smoke makes a lot more sense right now because Hunter Biden is in his ear. Hunter Biden is 
in top-level positions of the White House, watching over the president, giving him his influence, and it makes the crack pipes make a whole lot more sense right now. And we got one more thing today, also to do with Hunter Biden. Biden's ex-wife, Kathleen Buhl, said she she didn't know about Hunter Biden's financial dealing. We're going to get to that right after the break here on the Conservative Crusader. Quick break. Be right back after this. You're listening to the Conservative Crusader. This is the Conservative Crusader. Welcome back. This is the Conservative Crusader. I was coughing up a lung in the microphone. I didn't want you all to have to hear that. So I took a quick break so you didn't have to to hear that through your car speakers here on the Conservative Crusader radio show. But Kathleen Buhl, the ex-wife of Hunter Biden, said in an interview Tuesday that she had no control over her finances when she was married and that she allowed Hunter Biden to make their financial decisions. This is one of the harder parts for me to write and to acknowledge. Buhol told ABC's Good Morning America in their first televised interview about her new memoir, If We Break, which goes on sale Tuesday. It's embarrassing to say that I ceded all financial control to my husband. I liked the nice things, and I didn't want to think about the cost at which they were coming. Biden's at the center of an ongoing DOJ investigation into his financial dealings and taxes. Buhol said Tuesday that she would not be helpful if questioned by the government, saying, no, I buried my head in the sand. If she didn't know what her husband was doing, that's scary. Truly is scary. But there's going to be a lot more coming out of this very soon. Once this book is released, I might buy it, I might read it. Maybe not. And we will talk about that as well. Uh, CNN asked the White House and Hunter Biden's lawyers for comment on Buhol's interview. I don't think they had a comment in here on this article. She acknowledged she was aware that the couple owed money to the IRS in the early 2000s, but Hunter Biden told her he had set up a payment plan and he wasn't worried. The couple divorced in 2017 after 24 years of marriage. If she didn't know about the... Oh, here it is. Okay. Buhol also discussed Biden's years of addiction and was asked whether she recognized the person he was in the many publicly released photographs of him in the throes of drug and alcohol addiction as the person she was married to. She said not at all. He was struggling under a massive drug addiction and that is heartbreaking and painful. Buhol dodged a question about where her personal relationship with President Joe Biden and First Lady Joe Biden presently stands. In 2017, Joe Biden issued a statement saying he and Joe Biden supported the romantic relationship Hunter Biden was having with his late brother Bo's widow, Haley Biden, Buhol's sister-in-law. The one thing I never questioned was Joe and Jill's love and attention to my three daughters, said Buhol, the divorce was hard on all of us. Buhol resides in Washington, D.C., where she said she had recently started a women's club to help those in need. The Hunter Biden story just got a lot deeper. And he was controlling the finances for the entire family. How much of his family's money did he waste? We'll have to see. And the fact that the president has yet to make a statement, the fact that the president or the White House has yet to say anything about this laptop, say anything besides calling it Russian disinformation. The only reason Biden was elected was because this story was buried. If this story wasn't banned from Twitter, if this story wasn't censored in the media, wrote off as Russian disinformation, Biden would not be in the White House right now. And so he's not going to comment on it. He's not going to talk about it. But we're going to keep following it. We're going to keep talking about it here on the Conservative Crusader Radio Show. One more story for the day. 
And it's the fact that Dobbs v. Jackson was not decided today by the Supreme Court. Next time there's an opinion day, I will let you know if Dobbs is decided, if any big, important cases are decided by the Supreme Court. But until then, my name is GOP Josh. This has been the Conservative Crusader Radio Show on the Red Feature Radio Network. My name is GOP Josh. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Conservative Crusader. 